It's bloody good to see your face. It really is. And it's been quite some time which, since we've actually had an opportunity to talk like this. So uh, happy new year to you. Merry Christmas. Um, happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> all <laughs> of the, the other things. I was randomly on the street, right, as you were running off to the, the casino. I think that might have been, or as I was going off to the casino, one of the two of us was going, like it was an event. I want to say IEM maybe. It was IEM uh, and I think it was IEM 2019. Um, Yeah, pre-pandemic because that's a thing. (laughs) And you were coming out of a club about to get into a taxi. Yes, that's right. We were going from the eSports bar. Yes, right. And we were on our way from, I can't remember. I think we'd just been at the eSports bar and then we were elsewhere and then we were coming back and we were heading to the casino. Um, but, yeah, mate, it's it has been a hot minute. And, a lot, yeah, God, beyond uh, it being a hot minute, some changes for you as well. I mean, this is the first time we've spoken like this as well since um, No More Kotaku. How's, how's it all going? I know. Yeah, I mean, like, it is a wild transition, flexing, like, very different muscles. And it's super interesting um, to just think about things from, like, a much broader scale than what I was doing before. Mm. Uh, I do miss, like, the act of writing and and doing, like, a lot of on-the-ground reporting still. And I think anyone who's been a writer or or a content creator or something of that nature will always have that, you know, if you're in... If you're in podcasting, you'll always have a bone in podcasting, for instance, or if yeah. you're in streaming, you'll always kind of have your eye on that. So that's um, a little little part of my soul is still there. But, I mean, like, it's super fascinating to and wonderful to be able to, like, hire a whole bunch of people. I've just, you know, hired a, um, an Australian editor for Dot .esports. Uh, Jackson's just come on as an Australian editor for We Got This Covered and to be able to, like, come in and just sort of, go, okay, I can give people jobs immediately. (laughs) That's really nice. That's a really great feeling. And um, to think about like, okay, how can we, what can we do with this many millions of people? How can we, you know, serve them content, you know, a different way or how can we get them more content? What are we missing? And and having, and being able to have the time, um, you wouldn't have the time to stop and think about those things if you were also doing on the ground reporting. Yeah. So I think it's, it's good for me to to have that flex and step into that space and see what I can do with it. Well, there's the old saying, you either work in the business or you work on the business, but you can never actually be both. Um, and so for you and your role now in Gamers Group, um, God, jeez, uh, Riyad, Riyad's a powerhouse, isn't he? He's an absolute <laughs> he powerhouse. Yeah. Nah, he's, he's amazing. <laughs> like just watching him, like watching him um, conduct meetings and sort of like sigh through and the clarity and sort of vision that he has is just really like, Having that proximity to that is is really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, unreal. Well, mate, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where the career takes you because you're right, it's flexing other muscles, but obviously, you know, uh, more broad things are a, a very exciting opportunity to have. But we're, we're here to talk some game news that's been on the radar. And I wanted to chew the fat with you on this because, um, as I've always said, when it comes to what's happening in the gaming space, you're the premier brain. Uh, and mm. I'm very interested to get your opinion. And, you know, to give people listening to this uh, a bit of uh, a bit, a bit, a bit of scope on sort of where this came from. I mean, I saw a tweet that you made about the Activision Blizzard deal with Xbox, and we just got into DMs, and I fired you over that thought, which was if Activision Blizzard uh, weren't going through the enormous amount of shit that they're going through, would Xbox have paid more? Um, which you know. 
sort of started off, all right, let's get together and let's chew the fat on this. But the first thing I want to say is Hexen. Hexen. <laughs> Bring back Hexen. Oh, Come on, man. Phil. You can do it. Yeah, I, I think like you can see like how smart Phil is as a leader and how well he understands engaging with like his core gaming community and also like when when you make a change when you're a new face how do you come on and get people on side because he had a very very close view to when xbox when the xbox one nearly died when they had the don matrick era and they were talking tv 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 and he was sitting at the back there as the head of xbox studios basically seething and wondering like oh god how are we going to recover from this and so i think like this is that's one of those things where like it's just a small thing he may or may not actually really want to bring back hexen like there's no commitment or anything attached to it but the fact that he just throws that out as a line is enough of an indication for everyone involved in the community to say that ah phil still gets it Mm. phil still cares and it's not something that you can really challenge or sort of like tackle either way but it's just a very clever corporate smart messaging strategy to do and it's kind of why he's such a, a good leader because like the whole thing of you know how did you recover xbox from the failure that it was was masterminded by phil spencer and it just kind of shows that how he understands very well how to operate in this environment well for me it goes back to like a sort of a number of things that he's come out and said um since then i mean to you know to throw in the little bit of Hey, Hexen, all right, you know, as you say, it's it's an absolute masterstroke. But um, you just know that he he gets it as a man who's who's come through the ranks in games. Um, because the other thing that I, I was reading about him talking about was, you know, for him, he's looking at the industry as a whole going, how do we secure the future of games as tech companies make their way into the space. And he referenced Google, obviously, with Stadia. He referenced Apple. He referenced Facebook, um, you know, Facebook having their VR. So he he's very much, I just, as you say, he gets it. Um, and it's as simple as that. You can't really put it any more complicated than that. It doesn't have to be. He just gets it. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, that, that future sort of, like very much like the whole like X Cloud push was not like where are our, where is our core audience at now, but like how do we connect the other two billion gamers that we don't already have? Like mm. you know they're going to have to do that through low power devices because they're probably not going to be able to buy an Xbox. We're probably not going to be able to put like a massive suite of Azure data centers all over um, you know Africa, the p- other parts of like Southeast Asia, all the rest of the spaces around the world where they don't already you know there isn't already a massive AWS Google. Um, type dominance right so and that's where I think like this whole acquisition is kind of one of the things that like it might have come up anyway and it's obvious that Microsoft was looking at something like this and has been for a while because they're trying to think of the annoyingly the metaverse which is all anyone wants to fucking talk about in tech (laughs) because (laughs) the only way you can make the metaverse work is if you own content because Mm. if you don't own the content that means you've got to talk to someone else for the licensing and if you have to do that every single time you want to add a character, a weapon, a reference to a franchise, then you might as well not have the conversation at all. So, um, and I, I want to come back to the metaverse because I know it's all anybody wants to talk about, but I want to talk about it as well. Um, because <laughs> I, this is, it's, it popped into my head. It's something that I've been sort of studying over the past month or so, just familiarizing myself with it because I, I think it's, you know, it's going to be a very strong play given that, we're seeing companies like Meta or Facebook 
and the amount of money that they've already pumped into it, $10 billion, and the amount of money they're, they're continuing to commit to it. But anyway, more on that in just a moment. But um, $70 billion US for the acquisition makes them the third biggest behind Tencent and Sony. Um, but when where where were you when the news broke and how did you take it? What? I think I was at home somewhere. I can't remember if I was in bed or sitting on bed when I saw it, but I remember like scrolling through and going, um, and it was like one of those, like almost very similar to Microsoft buying Bethesda. It was a bit of a, like a holy shit moment, like this has happened. And especially because you, as soon as you saw it, you everyone immediately went back and thought of all of the ramifications that Activision Blizzard has gone through. Um, immediately it, it triggered all of the, what does this mean for Game Pass? Um, what does it mean in terms of the, you know, the leadership structure? What does it mean in terms for Sony? Because Activision has been one of the driving forces. For a while it was Rockstar. Like, um, you, you can see some old articles if you go back, but there's some great stories about how much Microsoft paid Rockstar to make sure that GTA 4 was not a Sony console exclusive because they, they were very much, it was it was coming up um, into the, you know, the next generation and I think it was in the order of like sort of 80 million or something. It was a, a massive amount of money. And over the, you know, as COD has been super successful, this generation or last generation now coming into this generation, Sony has repeatedly paid like millions and millions of dollars to have, uh, time exclusive on on DLC. You know they used to advertise mm. it all the time in every state of play. That's you know get you know one month like you know your free guns, your new operators, all the rest of it on PlayStation first. So that's kind of an enormous amount of contracts that need to be sort of ironed out. And you know what does the future of that stuff look like? Uh, and then of course the next question was like, well, okay, if Microsoft actually has a say, how much of a say do they actually really want to have? Because mm. you've got a similar thing with Bethesda now. It's like Microsoft's bought Bethesda, but is Phil Spencer, you know telling, going and telling, you know, Todd Howard to hurry up with Starfield. Like that's kind of, that's not how these big corporate acquisitions work. So why are they buying it now? Um, obviously, the, but, you know, I, I think you could pretty much hit the nail on the head as to why now is a really good time. Well, I mean, it's a, it's all of the stuff that's going on with Activision Blizzard at the moment. Um, the litany of lawsuits against them, um, the amount of people coming out talking about what's going on in those offices um, with regards to you know, DV and um, harassment, sexual harassment, and we've seen the pictures, we've seen the posts and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, now <laughs> it's clever. It is clever. They probably saved themselves $30 billion US. Um, you know, if Activision Blizzard was an absolutely squeaky clean, perfect company, there's no way they're paying $70 billion for it. They're paying north of that. So they've seen it and gone, yeah, this is a great opportunity for us to acquire some incredible franchises. Um, for me, I, I'm very interested to see how it plays out, considering that there are lawsuits that are still on the go. What happens to those lawsuits? They'll still need to go through their due process. Um, what happens to Bobby Kotick? Um, the, God, some of the, the figures, and I don't know if you've seen these, but some of the figures that I was seeing was that he could, if he's outed by Xbox, he could leave the company with $300 million between um, what he's owed in contracts and what he's owed in shares and options in Activision Blizzard and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge with all of the bullshit that Activision Blizzard's going through at the moment. 
Yeah. And I think like that's the other, like apart from the fact that obviously the stock price had been affected to the point where like that, and it's awful to talk about that in the sense when we know so much about how many people are involved, but it is also like, it's not an intangible thing. Like it, it very much, it's a lot of money. The other thing that people kind of forget about this is it's an all cash deal. Like, can you just imagine mm. like literally throwing a Scrooge McDuck size vault yeah. and someone be like, here, take this. And if it was a hundred billion, Microsoft's, they could have still done that in cash. Yeah. They have had an absurd amount of cash on hand year on year, just hanging around that they keep around for acquisitions. And what's going to be super interesting is um, uh, uh, as of the time we're recording this, this is Tuesday, uh, about tomorrow, Microsoft are going to have their first quarterly investor call since uh, the acquisition was announced. And that's where we're going to say like, okay, how much of a chunk is this actually taken out of the company? Because from the last time I checked, they will still have cash on hand available after this. So all I've actually done is good accounting, mm. really, like mm. fundamentally, because they've used money that was like sitting in the bank doing nothing. And now they've actually bought a tangible asset, thousands of developers. Like it, it's an incredible... that hugely fortunate position for Microsoft to be in. But like from a financial perspective, it is kind of a bit of a drop in the water for them. They haven't had to leverage themselves at all. They haven't taken on any debt. They haven't given away any script or equity whatsoever. They've just like literally like picked up the couch, tossed it out, grabbed everything out from the back corner and, and thrown it at Activision. And very much like if this was a year on, like if you imagine Overwatch 2 isn't delayed mm. or Diablo 4 isn't delayed, even Diablo Immortal, right? People keep forgetting about Diablo Immortal and, and the whole discussion of this because there's a lot of people that just have a lot of apathy for the franchise, but that's the kind of property that could have doubled Blizzard's monthly active users like within like three or six months if it's successful, mm. which you pretty much still can do. It's Diablo 3 on a phone. But from a network perspective, from an investor perspective, if you can turn around and say, look, we've had Blizzard's had a bad couple of years, but Activision like as a whole like message that they sell for the market, right? We can go, we've got Warzone over here, Candy Crush is doing over here, and we went from 30 to 60 million active users because we're finally starting to get these big iconic Blizzard properties on mobile. 70 billions like 70 billion US is like a joke. Like oh, it's, Activision it's, could yeah. easily be at 150 or 200. Yep. And, uh, you know, $300 million, Bobby Kotick, if you have to fork that money out. And I, and I agree with you. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sad uh, state of affairs what's going on there. Uh, and hopefully those people that are affected by this get justice. However, um, you know, from a business perspective, $300 million to pay him to off you go so they can reset yep. the organisation is chump change compared to Absolutely. yeah what they're going to make out of it the value of xbox and all of that sort of stuff now what they can bring to things like game pass um i mean just to take another example for people who uh you know were ever following what happened with spotify and um the joe rogan podcast they paid him a 300 million dollar deal but it um lifted their stock price by more than a billion dollars so it's you know, it's it's swings and roundabouts on on that sort of stuff when it comes to the values of things. There are a lot bigger things in play. Those games acquisitions, my God, um, they're just absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing the kind of firepower that Xbox now finds in its arsenal. And I'm not even just talking about um, 
Activision Blizzard, like you know, you mentioned Bethesda, um, they've got a great deal with EA and all of their games through Game Pass, the partnerships and all that sort of stuff. It, it speaks to a much bigger thing to me, and it's something I've been speaking with my colleagues about for quite some time. And it's that as we continue to move towards social online play, the metaverse, so on and so forth, it's it's it hasn't been a console war, I don't think, for quite some time. It's it's a content war now. That's well, that's where we're at in this whole set piece. It's not about, you know, who's got the who's selling more consoles. It's it's who's got more users. And I think like the market has expanded so far now that like there was very much. You go back to the start of the last generation. There was very much a concern around investors and markets that the consoles were going to die out completely. The Xbox One and the PlayStation Four were not going to stop the rise of mobile gaming. That was like stock prices of, of third-party companies, even Microsoft was being affected. Sony was certainly being affected because Sony was having a much rougher time at different business units. And then obviously what we learned and discovered is that it just created a different type of gamer. And I think what we're actually starting, people are slowly starting to get, like gaming sees everything as like one big blob and one big mass because I think especially when you're talking about things on this scale and, and these figures and these enormous ridiculous um, sizes of developers and franchises and what does this look like in 10 years it becomes difficult to like get your head around all of it but even though they are really directly competing in a lot of ways like Microsoft and PlayStation and Nintendo as well are targeting very very different types of people who enjoy games and there's a there's a big venn diagram between like the person who wants to own a playstation and say they won't really want demon souls they really want miles morales they really want things like returnal and and all of those other like ratchet and clank and those kind of like escapist uh first person or like single player type adventures and then there's another type of gamer that really wants the the sort of the halos, the shared universes, like the Fallout 76s and what Starfield's going to be and all of those kind of worlds. And often there'll be a, a correlation to where that's why we find a lot of us will end up buying multiple consoles because we want slightly different types of experiences. And there are so many gamers that these platforms can live, they can coexist quite happily and they're not actually really competing head-to-head quite as much as we often like to think. A lot of the time they are, and but you, you actually look at the where the companies invest in their content particularly. Um, what, what kind of games does Sony want? Like outside of the GTA 6s and the things that everyone wants to pitch for, right? Like what, what is a, what does an exclusive look like to Microsoft? You know, that's mm. a, a Forza Horizon. That's, a, you know, the stuff that Rare is working on. That has a very different DNA and genesis to the stuff that Sony is putting together. Now, the business model around all of that and the player base around all of that and how that's marketed and, and how you sell that to people kind of conflates a lot of it. But I think that's what we need to start to understand is that we have known gaming to be like basically the premier form of entertainment on the planet for a very long time now. Like that's... That's understood by the gaming community. I think we need to get to a place to understand exactly who these big platforms are actually trying to target because that's also going to be a key question when we hit the metaverse. You know, what type of metaverse do these companies want to participate in and play in? Those things are going to look very different. God, it's insane to think about. It's it's mind-bending to think about, especially when you start throwing in words like metaverse. Um. 
I mean, Xbox, they like it just it looks like a it's it's weird to think of Xbox as being the third on the ladder because it just looks like they're so much beefier than than PlayStation. And I, I don't know if it's because PlayStation, you know, hasn't it hasn't made as much noise in the past eighteen months as what Xbox has. I mean, I, I feel like Xbox has won the day in terms of being the forward facing organization, the one that's constantly making noise, the one that's constantly adapting and updating and so on and so forth. But in a sense, they've kind of had to, if they've been that far back, I guess, mm. chasing after Sony. So it is kind of a, it was actually a surprise for me to hear that they, they even after the acquisition are still third on the rung, but to know that they've picked up things like crash, they've picked up Tony Hawk, they've picked up Spyro. Um, but then, and this, this, I, I want to get your opinion on this because I don't know whether or not he had to actually do it. And the fact that he did do it, who is it that he's speaking to when he does something like this? And Phil tweeted that he had good calls this week with leaders at Sony and confirmed the intent to honour all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony's an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. Now, that is a that's been an ongoing message from Xbox for quite some time. In fact, you know they were pretty much the first ones as far as tier one organization to come out and go, "Hey, we love everyone who plays video games. We love you, Nintendo. Here, here's a tweet at Nintendo. We love you. Hey, PlayStation, looking good. Here's a tweet at Love You. So they they've been pushing that narrative, but I can't I can't help but feel that at some point all existing agreements get to a stage where they have an end date and they finish. And I'm not confident that PlayStation players can be confident that those agreements will exist past those end dates. Well, they didn't with Bethesda, did they? No. Like you look at like with the initial messaging straight after the deal and how they were talking about, you know, what was going to happen with Fallout. Is Starfield going to... Like you can just go back and Google the the history of statements on Starfield and how that slowly sort of merged into, well, of course this is, and how much like Bethesda was kind of a part of that as well. And and then eventually Microsoft just came out and, you know, flat out said it. And I think like also there is very much like where the messaging, like we're still, this is still quite fresh in the sense that the messaging that you give out to um, someone on Twitter is a bit different than the messaging you do on an investor call. Right. And also some of the, legal consequences and weight around those two different audiences and channels, like they, they matter. So that's why I kind of think like we, we will see, we'll have more information tomorrow about how they feel about it. But I think like, again, like it's existing agreements, right? Like it's precise wording to one placate everybody who is concerned about their immediate worries. You know, am I not going to be able to play the thing that I have paid for on my console that I own in my home today? That's covered. Going forward, does it mean much? Christ, no. Um, World of Warcraft. <laughs> so World of Warcraft for me uh, was one of the first things that came to my mind because that's it hits World of Warcraft hits different for me because it's not a it's not a buy this game and you're in it's a subscription service so game pass is a subscription service now for me xbox's future as far as i'm concerned lies in game pass and xcloud and 
we won't see the necessary developments uh, from a an infrastructure wise to support X. I've been using XCloud. I've got bloody good internet, and it's still not it's still not a great way to play video games. Where I still like to download them. I want the full experience, and I want it unhindered. So for me, Game Pass is solid, and I think Game Pass. Oh, my camera's just gone. I've got this issue in here at the moment. I've got to get a fan because my camera overheats and then it shuts off. Um, Either that or being a Sony, it's not happy. I'm talking about Game Pass. Um, But Game Pass for me is, is the premier play at the moment. It's the one that's got is, you know, all of the games. It's got the day one releases. It's the incredible value for me. It's the winner and it's, I see it as their way forward, but um, Warcraft stuck out to me as an interesting one because that's a that's the same model. It's a subscription base. So it's like if you're Microsoft and you've got Warcraft sitting there, do you roll Warcraft into Game Pass? Can you even roll Warcraft into Game Pass or do you continue on with keeping them completely separate so as not to amalgamate the user bases into one revenue stream? Well, I mean, like, would you, like, from a development standpoint, like, would you even want to, can you imagine getting that, like, someone coming up to you and saying, so we have to get World of Warcraft running on the Microsoft Store now, and you just look at that and think of the last decade of improvements you've had to merge it over, like, three different versions of DirectX, trying to get ray tracing in there, and now you some suddenly you've got to play with, like, Microsoft's different version of executables. I mean, you might actually just walk out of the company if you haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, I, I think like there are like um, th- there is a technical challenge for them, particularly there on getting that going. That I think may be doable, but you know whether they have the resources to do it, especially now with what's transpired over the last six months, is a um, that'll be an interesting question. But I think like in terms of the subscription model, like what we know from the Bethesda acquisition is not everything came onto Game Pass that that could have straight away. It was a staggered release. There were a few things that popped on there immediately when they announced it, but other stuff came later on. And I think that will be the same approach with Blizzard Activision stuff. Firstly, because it just it makes no sense to do full Netflix and be like, hey, all of the, our properties are on Game Pass now. That actually doesn't serve any business objective for them. We've got to remember that when these companies get folded into each other, like even though they might not, we might not learn more about Activision Blizzard's numbers because they're now a part of Microsoft, like they do still have their own P&L, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. going to have like their own figures. They're going to have their own financial reporting that goes through internally. And that's part of that is going to be how much time money are we spending on World of Warcraft versus how much are we making back? Mm-hmm. Now, does the Game Pass model financially support adding something like World of Warcraft? Like from a, like take the, the actual development of let's, do what we need to to get this working on the Microsoft store. What happens to the, okay, I'm launching this through Game Pass. Does it recognize me as having a 14-day trial? Because even if you did that, you would still have to have it tied to account, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you you open up World of Warcraft and it has the login screen. So it's a case of like, do they add in um, a separate layer to connect to the Xbox account? And do they they just say then, oh, okay, you can have a 14-day trial there or if that's not tractable they might go okay we're just not gonna make it work through the xbox layer and you just need to have like your own sort of blizzard 
battle, old school battle net type account to connect. And I think like because of those problems and because it still needs to persist as its own revenue base for a large amount of, amount of like Blizzard's DNA, if nothing else, I think they'll just let it be for a while because they have bigger problems with World of Warcraft to work out primarily, which is like what what does the future of it even look like beyond expansions? Mm. Um, I One thing that I'm very interested to hear on the investor call tomorrow or what comes out of it is if they touch on the fact that they've bought a ticket into esports by pick it, picking up Activision Blizzard. Because don't get me wrong, they've, you know, they've got a toe in the water with Halo, um, so they've experienced it. They've, uh, they sort of have an indirect link through EA because of FIFA. But, I mean, they're, they're buying into esports now in a big way. You know, Call of Duty World League, um, Overwatch Premier League, uh, you know, you've got your StarCraft and your Asian markets, all that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I, it's, it's going to be fascinating watching how they go about – because I, for me, like them, they're not a traditional – they don't have a traditional, any traditional esports models. Like they're not – even Halo fell by the wayside – for a while there, but all of the franchises they picked up are steeped in esports. So it's going to be very interesting and fascinating seeing what comes out of that play and whether or not they keep them separate in a way and run them separately or bring them in under Xbox in a big way and go, we're going to invest in this heavily because we believe this has a viable future. I, I think also too, like when they pick it up, what happens to that internally will be a very fascinating journey in terms of how Microsoft handles future acquisitions and, and kind of what it wants its identity in gaming to be going forward. Because if you look at Halo, like, has had a very long competitive history, but its competitive history has always been something that has been run by third parties. Mm. In the US, a big amount of it was MLG. Internationally, you had, like, companies like ESL Australia, even before they were ESL Australia, when they were the Australian Cyber League, Halo was actually the game that that organisation founded by Nick Vanzetti and and others like, you know, Josh Inman and, and stuff, like they, they were running Halo tournaments, right? Like that was in the DNA of them. Mm. And Microsoft's approach to that has always been to, sim- a, a bit similar to Valve, um, maybe not quite as hands-off, like they, they want to be involved but they, and, and have their, their say-so, but they want other companies to run the ecosystem and and drive that because they feel that they understand it and they know it best. And Activision Blizzard have always wanted to be very hands-on, like whether it's the Activision side with what they've done with um, Call of Duty, you know, they even expanded the Call of Duty World Championships so that Australia for a few years, that it had like a direct pathway into the finals, that it had the league here. Obviously, you know, Blizzard has had many, many, many cracks at esports across all of its titles. Um, it has also had a lot of failed attempts or, or things that um, could have persisted for longer than they did. I think StarCraft is a perfect example. Um, Heroes of the Storm, what happened to that? was very sad, but also fundamentally Microsoft too is an organisation that has had lots of its own failures and then people who have stayed within that business and then gone on and helped work uh, in other parts of the company to, you know, take that knowledge forward and and do something better. Uh, A great example is, you know, when they were trying to build the first Xbox, the the great documentary that they put out um, towards the end of last year, um, there was, 
you know, you had the team that built the first Xbox or you had a whole bunch of people that used to work on the 3DO console. They ended up being a part of Microsoft working on the Windows CE uh, operating system and they wanted to make a console within Microsoft. So, you know, that was kind of that knowledge eventually ended up going into the original Xbox eventually. So they might opt to let Activision continue with their current plans because Microsoft doesn't, like Microsoft itself is not going to go and say, hey, we have a lot of this expertise about how we have run esports leagues previously because it's not a thing they've done. Like, whereas I think like when it comes to like the leadership of the studios, um, particularly, you know, Phil Spencer and the board, they're going to, I think they're going to want to get more involved with Activision that way than they will with esports, which is, I mean, depends on where you come from it. I don't know that it's a particularly, um, I would like to see more changes in terms of, Esports, I, I think, like they can do more. They can um, be more supported. I, I think, like the Overwatch League, um, as well as had some ups and downs, but also some of that stuff's affected by what's happening with Overwatch too. So, mm. you know, its delays and all the rest of it. So it's kind of it's a tricky situation. And I think, like the other thing too, is people are you know the bit that we've got to reiterate here is that this deal is not going to actually be finalized for a year. You, you don't you know buy it spend $70 billion and then you know, just walk out of the store like you picked up a console. You don't? You know, these things go... Th- Jesus, for, 70, take approval. for $70 billion, mate, I'd, I don't want any more work afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's going to take time, right? Like, and, yeah, and of course. that time is, like, that means like, you're not going to have a whole lot of changes, especially, like, if you're dealing with things that are going to have an impact on the share price. That includes, you know, the Overwatch League is a commercial property, right? Like you can't make too many changes to that as mm. as Microsoft. Mm. Similar, like you can't make too many changes to the management structure until the deal finally goes through. Um, hey, just quickly, because you mentioned uh, their name, ESL. Did you see the acquisition news today? I, I did, yeah. It was uh, $1.5 billion for ESL and Face It. I, I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I swear I saw somewhere that the ESL was bought for billion and it was included so i don't know if it was esl was worth a billion and face it was worth half 500 million but i I know it was one and a half for the two of them Uh, and obviously the two are merging now as a result let me have a quick let me have a quick look esl face it merged by saudi gaming group Group, saudi owned yeah (laughs) uh is it the Modern Times Group has officially sold its esports tournament organizer ESL to the Savvy Gaming Group. The company has also picked up Face It, which means that two of the biggest tournament organizers in esports changing hands and merging for a reported $1.5 billion. Hey, guess where I'm reading this, by the way? Dot esports. Dot esports. <laughs> uh, according to the Sports Business Journal, fully owned by Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund, the PIF. Mmm. Interesting. Worth also adding that, like, Modern Times Group, not that it makes a massive difference in this particular deal, but it might for people who have that nostalgia bent. They also own Congregate. What's Congregate? I don't know what Congregate is. It used to be, like, one of the the websites you go to that had, like, all of the Flash games, and a lot of developers would go and they'd submit their games on there. So things like um, finding, like, the, you know, Binding of Isaac, for instance, it was born as a flash game and the place you would go to play it was originally uh, Congregate. Right. Um, uh, geez. 
They've made some moves recently. The fund is in talks to take over City at our club into Milan for more than a billion. It's in talks for Ligue 1 club, Marcel. They acquired EPL club, Newcastle. It's also behind Greg Norman-led LIV golf venture. That's quite a... That's quite a broad portfolio. And now they're getting into esports. Just sounds like an events play. Well, I also think like it, it, the timing is good too because, you know, towards the, you know, trying to remember where their financial years are. It's hard when you're dealing with like companies in, in different continents, but um, around sort of like April, like, the whole modern times group, they were posting like a net loss of about like 14.7 million, um, which is in USD there. Um, they actually, that group reports in um, Krona, I think it is. It's a Swedish currency. Yeah. Um, so the the pandemic, like especially obviously for like an events company was super hard because, you know, events rely on ticketed revenue and that's difficult to do when COVID says you can't show up. Yeah. Um, so I, I can only imagine what, the, the board of that thought when they saw one and a half billion. Um, but I also, and I like everyone is, is going to have an eye on this, but like we, I, th- I think back to instances where you had uh, Riot had to cancel like their sponsorship of an event like a couple of years ago because it was announced that it had the backing of um, Saudi uh, services. And obviously that was, there was a lot of political turmoil at that stage because it was not that long after the, uh, assassination of the American journalist. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So when, like, how does this affect, because th- there are going to be lots of um, sponsors and people that want to have, you know, some kind of input or say or, or sort of a, a touch base with esports that may now have legitimate uh, corporate difficulty in continuing to deal with some circuits that, you know, uh, ESL and face it are running now um, it'll be interesting from Intel's perspective because they are the biggest player they have mm. always been the biggest supporter of ESL so if they I, I would expect their partnership to continue um, but it'll be interesting if there are any kind of like little sort of legal wrangles that emerge um, back to uh, just one final question about Microsoft and just interested in your thoughts. Do they stop now? Oh God, no. No. Well, so who's next? It's, it's, this is this is capitalism, mate. You never stop. Of course. Um, but who's so who's next? Like, <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Like one of the we we mentioned. Uh, I guess we didn't sort of really go into it, but we, this is probably a good jumping point for it. But the way that the company is thinking about this is all about the metaverse, right? Mm. Sadia Nadella, when he was asked directly about it, he was saying like, "This gives us." Um, kind of the the ability to um, the building block, I think, were the terms. And Bobby Kodak uh, as well, like he also mentioned that when they were looking at the metaverse and when they were looking at things like AI and machine learning, they like it just was not functional or possible for them to actually recruit the staff that they needed to play in that that ballpark going forward. But here's the thing. When you think of it like the actual viable metaverse uh, platforms at the moment, you you know what do you think of like well what are the first well ones the the first one that comes to mind is Facebook. Yep, which is not owned by Microsoft and is kind of not really a game. No, but like what what are, what are the other ones out there? Well, that's that mate. I'm sorry, that's it. 
Like the and the, that's that's the thing that comes to mind, and only because I know that they're making a, a like a rather large play um, into it. Otherwise, when I think of Metaverse, <laughs> I think of Marvel and yep. movies. And then the other ones would but I'd put on there would be like Roblox. It'd probably be like the most appropriate one because it is like fundamentally like a, a platform. Yeah, that, and its ecosystem functions in how a lot of companies are talking about the metaverse, especially NFTs. Well, as in like, as in like rooms and people in those rooms congregating and all of this activity taking place in those rooms, is is that what you're talking about? More of a like a connected sort of online space. So in right. Roblox's uh, sense, you're talking about like lots and lots of different, like they provide, they control the platform and they provide the assets and then people put those assets together however they want. So rather than being like a PlayStation home type scenario where I have an avatar, it walks through to a door and now I'm playing Roblox's version of GTA, which by the way, that's a thing that exists and it's apparently quite good. Right. Um, like I've had a dev friend who's been yelling at me for like two years to try and play Roblox GTA and I've never done it. But the fact that you can have like from a um, like a licensing and from like an asset standpoint, when you have all of that together, you have the best platform for what a metaverse might look like because then all you want, what you want, like the metaverse is just people coming in and adding on to a world and a virtual space and an ecosystem that you control and, and mm. you have the base layer. So that's why Fortnite has kind of also looked at the other kind of viable contender at the moment because of how it's just consistently adding Marvel and other things and attracting all of it into its orbit. And well, obviously I, the key thing there is Microsoft doesn't have any alternative to any of that. What do you mean they don't have any alternative to any of that? Are you talking about well, as in like they're just purely games? They're not anything outside of games? They've got like, I mean, like there are things outside of games, right? Like they have like Windows, but like you wouldn't think of Windows as a metaverse. So no. When we when they buy all of this content, because that's they want to buy the content so they have the rights so they can control what, where they put it and what they do with it, but they don't actually have a platform or a space to house all of them in. Like it would be very weird to go and see like Master Chief um, doing roles in Diablo 3, right? Like yeah, that's right. not a connection that you can make work. And the future of the metaverse is like the way that these massive mega corporations are looking at it is how can we either create a platform that can just allow an infinite amount of shoving IP into so we can constantly extend, you know, our collaborations, uh, our playtime. Like if we have like other things that we can add on to it, like they may be gaming related, they may be more like productivity related, which is kind of like where Facebook is thinking. They, they're thinking more outside of the gaming space and in more into like... Well, so it's an enterprise play for them. And that's I think that's the big question for when it comes to the metaverse and it actually being taken up you know, in, in like in scale or taken up at scale. It's like is the question is, is it is it an enterprise play first or is it a consumer play? And I, I don't well, I know I don't know the answer the to that content, question. Right? Yeah, absolutely it depends on the content. But then so that's yeah. so that's something that I think that if we're if we're just jumping across the metaverse for a second, that's something I think that they need to actually seriously consider because if they're going out of their way to acquire all of these IPs in the entertainment space, then clearly for them it's a consumer play, right? But like at the moment, Facebook's investment into the metaverse is around essentially, well, I mean, it, sure, it's it's social media, it's social play, um, but they're not thinking in terms of video games for that space just yet. They're creating places to work 
they're they're creating they're creating spaces for enterprise. And I think that fits the two like profiles, right? Like because if you think from like Microsoft's perspective, they have lots and lots of users, but they're not connected directly in the same way. Like there are plenty of users on Windows, but how many are on like Game Pass, right? Mm. Like they're kind of like you can't just sort of merge all of those in the same thing because people want different things from their experiences with Microsoft, right? I do not want an Xbox collaboration when I open Microsoft Word. Facebook already has what, like, it's still like 500 million users or something like absurd, right? Like, so they have the user base, but their consideration is all like, they look at what do their users do when they use Facebook? When someone comes to Facebook, like, what do they want to get out of it? Like, there is like Facebook gaming and they have had their things in Facebook games, but fundamentally the experience of what I take away from Facebook is more related to like organization. Like it makes my life easier because I can talk to people, like I can set up events, I can stay in touch with family and friends. And so they're thinking of applications that add on to that. I think that that's why like you see things like Facebook Horizon because it's more natural extension of how they understand what a Facebook user wants from Facebook. Mm. Whereas Microsoft is thinking more about like, well, what's the most viable metaverse likely to be? It's probably going to be within games because that's the closest sort of parallel to, you know, one, what we can actually build with the technology we have right now. And also, you know, with what, the financial implications are, which are the most viable metaverse is probably going to be something built on microtransactions, a space that people want to go in and escape and, and sort of spend money, buy skins and things like that. Mm. So in order for that to work, they need to be able to control the content that goes into it. Um, it's just a, a case of who's going to have the most compelling content. Well, maybe they're going after it both. I mean, I know that Microsoft is working on Teams being a natural extension of or a natural enterprise way in for Metaverse at some point. So that's where they're, you know, they've created this. And I know Teams is clunky, don't get me wrong, but at some point they'll they'll iron it out. But, um, yeah, God, I, I don't know, mate, but it's it's something that's going to be very interesting to watch unfold over the next sort of five to ten years. That's for sure. HoloLens as well. Like that's probably like a big productivity, like a link to the Metaverse will be that, I think. Mm. Right, mate. I uh, well, oh, geez, it's been an hour. <laughs> I could talk to you all day, but um, any other things just sort of floating around in your head about this whole acquisition before we jump off? Yeah, like the one thing that I worry about a little bit is I'm very lucky. I have a very old Steam account. Like, when I mean an old Steam account, I mean, like, five digits. Like, I created it the day Steam opened. Oh, wow. Right. Um, You used to be able to sell that stuff for quite a lot. I remember being annoyed that I missed out on having a four-digit Steam account by, like, 86 logins or something like that. (laughs) And and one of the (laughs) beauties of something We're fickle gamers, aren't we? We are so bloody fickle. It's great now because then people look at it and they're like, oh, is he playing well or is he cheating? And it's like, no, that's a very low steam. Yeah. You're not going to cheat on something like that. Um, but the rise of things like that allowed for digital distribution, which meant that you, people could self-publish and and really good recommendation algorithms could give us access to some incredible games that just the various, I don't want to call them gatekeepers, but I mean kind of, if you want to publish and get like sort of okayed by like a Sony and Microsoft or any of the other big publishers, you are going through some form of a gatekeeper. Mm. And 
the rise of stuff like Steam kind of broke that open a little bit and it allowed us to to see a whole bunch of games that kind of broke the mold in ways we never expected in ways that people thought, nah, that won't work. That's not that's not what audiences want. But as we start to move towards this mass consolidation, like the thing that really bothers me is that it gives Microsoft in particular a crutch to not have to fix things that should be fixed. So while, yes, you're on PC, you don't have to use the Microsoft Store, right? But one of the problems still with the Xbox ecosystem is you go there and I want to find a game. I've played a whole bunch of things in my account and I kind of don't know what I want next. Their solution to that, instead of actually building in a better recommendation algorithm for the Xbox Store or making the Xbox Store or their UI easier to use, has been to just shove Game Pass in your face, Mm. which is fine. It makes total sense as a strategy and it is still, you know, it is the best deal in gaming today. You're kind of nuts if you don't get it. But what about stuff that's not going to be on Game Pass or is leaving Game Pass or like they are too small to be able to have those conversations or they're in, you know, an indie dev and they don't even like they can self-publish, but they don't know who to talk to at Microsoft, right? There are only really a limited amount of, you know, things that get added to Game Pass every given month. And as this consolidation drives the big platform holders, which even if we put PC out of it, you know, how many millions of people are on the Xbox and PlayStation ecosystems? Like that's the only place where they play games. You're still dealing with what, like PlayStation 4 had over 130 million users, or at least over 50 million users on like the Xbox One and, you know, both of them have sold about, like, what, 20, 20 million consoles with the next generation so far. Uh, but That's, just, I mean, and do you think they would have sold more if the if they were easier to get? Or if the platforms were smarter about showcasing new things to players, mm. right? Like, the reason why I mentioned Steam is because it's really smart about identifying something in a game that you played that is similar to something else that you like. So I will go there and I will see like more stuff that might be about like open world sandboxes. I am more likely to see the game that is already in my account when I open the Xbox or the PlayStation store for that matter. And then I will see either an ad for PlayStation plus or game pass or something usually from Activision or like a major publisher like Ubisoft. And there is no space for like, what are the other games that you know that are out there Mm. what are the you know indie games what are the double a games that i would actually like as an individual but the platform is not smart enough to recommend to me moving towards subscription services means that these platform holders do not have an incentive to improve on that front and that is not good for us as an industry that's definitely not good for developers because it means the room of success you have for self-publishing is shrinking further and further yes you still have you know, the potential of things like PC, but like ideally we would just, if this was improved and there was better discovery on the console and the PC platforms, then developers, more developers are able to to live and be sustainable and because they can find success across multiple platforms. At the moment, we've known for years at Indie, like how, how many years have Indies complained about how bad it is to publish a game on Xbox's can be good if you go through the idea at Xbox profile, but there are plenty of ones that have said that, you know, they barely see any sales on Xbox. They see fuck all on PlayStation and the switch is really the only place where they get success. But the Xbox, yeah, well, the Xbox that, and uh, this, I suppose, comes back to your point, isn't it? About how they recommend games because the way that, that um, the, the UIs on all of those consoles, like don't, well, they don't do it. You're right. They don't do a great job of recommending games. 
They don't. They don't have smart, clever algorithms for it. They don't actually entice you to play new games. The sell is play the big titles because you're going to get yeah, them on like day one. Like if you one. actually look at the, the structure is literally you know, the newest things are the things that have just been added to yeah. Xbox Game Pass and what's yeah. popular. And it's not like they don't have the machine learning and the AI engineers in the back end to do it. Like we know even just from talking to like the Age of Empires developers, right, like the things that they were saying about how they're incorporating machine learning um, for things like QA, for like running um, the AI through like different replays and things so it can like eventually learn different strategies and, and get smarter and smarter because they want to add like a merciless, a merciless AI to Age of Empires 4 one day, right? Like they've got that talent there. And that's, you know, again, goes back to what Bobby Kotick was talking about AI and machine learning. Like that stuff eventually goes through to how you experience a platform too. But you're not going to see a whole lot of it if the the main players just, hey, buy our subscription. Mm. And we know we're going to see more of it. Like Nintendo will do what they do, but PlayStation has to respond in the same way. And when they do the experience with the store, there will be... Do you have PlayStation now plus Ultimate Extreme? No? Look at what we just added to it. And Yeah, it'll be the big names. It'll, it'll, never, it'll never be your, your creative indies. It'll be the big names. It'll be, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I see your point, mate. I absolutely see your point. But is that, I mean, is that bad for us as consumers or is that more an issue for indie developers or is it both? Oh, well, I mean, in the interim now, like Game Pass is great for you as a consumer. Yeah. What I, about in 10 years? Yeah. Well, the thing is I feel, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm clever enough to go looking for indie games. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I'll go searching the, the Xbox store and generally I'll do the same thing that, I'll, that I do with Netflix and I'll sit there for half an hour flicking through titles <laughs> and then get the shits on so I just don't play anything. But, like, I have, you know, found a lot of gems sort of through there. Um, I don't know. Maybe it changes with our infrastructure changing over time as well. And as things like streaming platforms, xCloud, for example, come online a lot better and they're a much better thing to actually use, maybe that gets better along with it because instead of having to wait for a download, so you're managing your time, so you're generally only going after the really well-known titles and stuff on these platforms, maybe because you can just stream the game so you can jump right into it, maybe you will be a little bit more open to trying some other things. Fucking camera. <laughs> well, I think they'll have to do it at some point, right? Because like that, um, like just from the sheer weight of volume of everything they have on there, like if they add anything to Game Pass after this point that isn't a first-party studio, like they need to have a model that actually like sustainably recommends that to users to justify it being on game pass in the first place. Mm. So like there is an incentive for them to do it there. But like, as you mentioned before, like the going and searching, it reminded me of um, a favorite line from um, my partner, Tegan, which she, she always says her favorite game on the Nintendo switch is buying things on the eShop, <laughs> like going there and just like scrubbing through. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. Yeah, exactly. Oh mate, wow! A lot of there, a lot to chew over there. Plenty to chew over. Um, I want your tip. I want your. I want your tip. Who do they buy next? Uh, you know, did you see the Gary Witter quote? No. 
What was that? So he mentioned, so one of the things he said is like, um, like they're, they're basically I'm paraphrasing here, but there is bigger news. Like he was saying this will not be the biggest story in, in gaming with like no sort of determined time. Um, so the question for me is like, does Microsoft buy something bigger? I think we'll have a better sense of that in terms of when we look at how much cash on hand they have after this. Um, because they might not, they, they might look at buying like a, a, a smaller studio. Uh, I think like the the potential is probably in um, something in Japan because Microsoft has always wanted a link to the community there and to the developer base there, and they've never had it. And there have been a lot of talks of, with them buying Sega in the past. Um, I don't think that's viable. I think maybe. Maybe Microsoft looking at buying a Capcom is an option, uh, but a lot of lot of good IP for a Capcom. If we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about consumer plays in the metaverse, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it works there. The problem is Resident Evil. Uh, Resident Evil kind of makes Capcom maybe a bit too big at the moment. Just from like it, again, it'll depend on how much cash they have because I think these acquisitions are easier for Microsoft to do if they're just throwing you know Scrooge the Scrooge McDuck vaults out of the window. If they have to start to offer up like weird deals, then it becomes like very difficult for them to get it over the line. Mm. So we'll know a little bit more, but I feel like it's sort of a um, Capcom seems like a kind of an interesting target. The other one could possibly be Square Enix, which I think would be an interesting fit for Microsoft because they've also been making a lot of investments in the background to AI and machine learning and some of their properties would, would fit that sort of metaverse type space. I mean, you know, Kingdom Hearts was something that Phil Spencer wanted to get on Xbox. Um, one of the first things he worked really hard to get onto Game Pass when they were trying to bring like JRPGs to the service. Um, I remember that one. And obviously they had near Automata um, there pretty early. So I feel like maybe Square makes a bit more sense, especially if you look at like, you know, what kind of like IPs um, like Doosex has just been or Deus Ex has just been sitting in the background for a while. Some of Square's stuff has not performed as well as they'd like. So maybe financially they're not in as strong a position to defend themselves as Capcom might be. So that might be part of it. I, I, I would bet on Square Enix before probably anything else. But I think, to be honest, what we'll probably hear is not a Microsoft acquisition. I think it'll be something something bigger or either some, someone going after or doing something with Tencent um, because Tencent is always involved in acquisitions and M&A of any description uh, or Ubisoft falls over. Jesus. All right, mate. Shall we call it? <laughs> it's always fun. I, I'm, I'm sorry we haven't been able to do this for so long. Yeah, but. no. I uh, Hopefully we do it a lot more, actually. Um, but I appreciate you, especially at such notice, just being able to jump on and shoot the shit about this because there's, there's a lot to talk about. And I, I think if this little catch-up is anything to go by, um, plenty more for us to talk about as things unfold as well. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Yeah. It is. It's good to actually, I don't know if this come going to come through an audio, but it is good actually to see you face to face. I do brother. miss that deeply. I can't wait till we have like DreamHack Melbourne. Um, oh, God. It'd be is nice. That, is that going to be savvy Melbourne now? I don't know. I don't know because uh, that, that group owns DreamHack as well. Yeah, savvy Melbourne, which actually has quite a nice ring to it, to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. Time will tell. Take care of yourself, All man. Right. 
You too. Everybody, how are we going? How are you going, Stormy? Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Hi, everyone. Oh, hang on, what's happened? I can't hear you. Sorry, live tech support. Can you say something again for me? Hello, how are we doing? Okay, Can so you it's coming me? through there. Happy Wednesday. Have you all had a good week so far? Hi, Drop Bear, how are you doing? Also, thank you, Captain Havari, for that sub earlier on. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as well. Oh, Charlie said he could hear both. He can hear both of us. He might not be able to hear me now. <laughs> hey, but there now, we go. Oh. Yeah, I can hear you. My voice meter was playing up. It did not want to <laughs> play the game. But we're, we're here. Thank you for holding the fort down there, Stormy. What were you oh, talking no, 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 about no, since okay. I couldn't hear? No, no, no. I was just saying and hi to everyone. You again. Voice meter, oh, what are you no. doing to me? <laughs> I have fallen back into my my Hades addiction again. So that's what I've been doing in my spare time. Um, and I found out that my 12-year-old sister has actually gone to the, like, the end credits of the game before I did. So I'm feeling very, very proud, very proud sister, but I am also incredibly jealous. Um, and just before we went live, I was actually just trying to defeat Hades for the second time and missed it by that much so um a bit heartbroken and i'm back i can hear now i i just don't know what was going on then but we got there and i i did get in to hear that that story about how proud you were so that amazing work to little sis for for being able yeah. to do that but at the same time i can't get past meg so you know damn oh, you yeah. no, you gotta try it again you have to it's it's so it, it can be so rewarding but also a massive like kick in the gut when you don't get it as well so mm. now i want to make sure i pronounce it right because i've been seeing it all over like twitter and everything but this new game is it is it called sifu i think so sifu i'm pretty sure yeah, I I don't know. I haven't I, I haven't seen too much about it, but I have have seen like it's a fairly technical sort of a brawler, which looks pretty cool. Because I think from software make it who are known for their their harder sort of games. Sifu, yeah. Mm. How's it going so far, Gamma? I've, I've I've seen it like the there's um yeah some really awesome kind of choreography. Yeah, like like what Gamma said, third person hand to hand combat martial arts game. Um, I was watching someone stream it earlier today too, and uh, yeah, it looks looks really really interesting. It looks really cool. Nice. But yes, but uh, anyway, now, now that now that we've we've gotten through that, welcome back to the second show for 2022. I, I'm trying to channel my inner, inner Richie Benno here with the the second episode two for 2022. You know, that I, which was a shit impersonation, but 
Yeah, let's move past that and say thank you so much to our sponsors in Quantum Energy and Lenovo Legion, as well as GeForce Now, which is an amazing service if you haven't come across it before. So GeForce Now, powered by Pentanet, is a cloud gaming um, subscription service. So instead of your computer doing all the computing, as computers tend to do, it sends it to a server farm, and they've got a whole rack of um, 30 series cards here stationed. They've got some in Perth. They've got some over east as well and some data centers there. And it just means that instead of your computer having to do all the processing, you can do it there. And you can connect in your Steam libraries and uh, other libraries, so all those games you can play. Even if you've got a really crappy graphics card, all that you're limited by is your internet connection. So thank you so much um, for GeForce Now, for Pentanet, for, for sponsoring us as well. So cool. And now... What have you been playing? What have I been playing? Last year yet. Haven't asked me. I I over the weekend finished off the story of Pokemon Legends Arceus. I had a really good time with it. Just like I, the idea of in other Pokemon games of going through the gyms and battling didn't really interest me. And like the catching of Pokemon was all right. And the completionist in me is going, I have to catch them all. I need to get them all. But with Arceus, it was just it's really chill. Like being able to sneak up behind the Pokemon and just, or do things, throw food at them to make them easy to catch. So you don't need to battle them to, to catch them is really cool. But for me, the story and like, they've got these big boss battles were kind of a bit met, but just the act of catching Pokemon was so relaxing. Really loved it. I was, uh, I was saying to you earlier, like it's been a while since I've played a Pokemon game and obviously like the last, few years obviously it's had that you know true like tried and tested like true like pokemon mm. formula and stuff and for me i think it needed a breath of fresh air so mm. hopefully you quite enjoyed that new take they did on it with with arceus i guess yeah and i think they have they have got that like they haven't got everything right but they've they've started something there that i hope they continue because it it is a breath of fresh air and even like the way they do the Pokedex now. So you don't just catch a Pokemon and it goes into the Pokedex. You catch a Pokemon and then to get it in the Pokedex, you have to do certain things. So it might be you have to catch more of those Pokemon or you might have to see it use a move a few times or or evolve it. It's just the, the way it's been done, I think, is very, very cool and make makes it a lot lot of fun especially the variety in being able to catch the pokemon and um yeah cool but the other thing i did in fact i did it on monday night was i finally got to battle pass level 100 in halo infinite so i'm very very happy there i I can put that down for now because that game makes me rage a little bit i love it but it makes me rage it's I applaud you. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> what a grind. I like. I have decided because the new season of um, Apex Legends has mm-hmm. just started, um, and I've every time uh, admittedly gone and bought the battle pass because I just I mm-hmm. think it's one of the best free to play like eight, like uh, battle royale games out there in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, so I have never completed a battle pass, but my goal. You've just reminded me that you said that now. Um, my goal this season is hopefully to finish this one. Um, nice. So fingers. <laughs> do it, do it. It's it's like you get to the end and you go, 
Oh, I've done it. Oh, good. And hello, Mr. Tiny Corn Dog in chat. Thanks for dropping by. Good to see everybody there. All the regulars, Minthonzo, Gamma, Charlie, uh, and I saw Drop Bear earlier, and Captain Avari. Sticks was in earlier on. It's all these legends are coming back to see us. It's so good to see. Um, another game I've been dropping into play a bit more, and I've had a bit of a break from it, but I need to get back into it because I need to get some uh, higher level you know tanks in that is world of tanks i love of world of tanks i've come to love it from watching the anz pl um and i've jumped in probably about a year ago because i just was having so much fun watching i thought i'll give it a go so i've got myself a tier 6 tank now that goes up to tier 10 is the top rank um working towards a nice tier 7 um also up to opened up a couple of other pathways in there as well so i've got um another german tier five in a another sort of tree and um a uk tier four so slowly making my way up there but one thing i also tried a little bit was um world of tanks blitz so it's slightly different not not as as full-on and hardcore as um world of tanks is but world of tank blitz is a nice little um just sort of game of course it's a game is i was it, looking for sorry, it, I was... Is it is it a different game mode or is it a different game that belongs to the same franchise no it's a different game that belongs to the same franchise so made by the same people um but it's it's a bit more open so because it's simpler it goes on phones as well so and it's available on a whole heap of other systems too so it's just it's a nice little little like one that can be played anywhere almost. So I think it's on the Switch as well, so you can take it away and do it. So um, that's really good. But one event that they got going at the moment that I really like the sound of is the um, is the big boss event that they got going on. So they've got um, seven versus seven battles that happen happen in uh, World of Tanks Blitz, and the big what happens in the big boss event is that the tanks get assigned different roles. So you can still pick your own tank that you like to play. You might have a favourite light tank, or you might like the uh, the heavier tanks that can deal a bit more damage. Um, but you also get a role that's assigned. So there's the big boss. Each team gets a big boss, um, and that particular tank gets plus thirty percent damage and speed plus 50% to your reload, and four times their health. So this gets randomly assigned to to a player. And then um, there's also other randomly assigned roles in there as well. So there's a bomber that has like a area of effect explosion, a catalyst which has poison shots. Um, there, there's even what, Graviton, I think it's called, which has like this little mini black hole that it shoots out and like sucks all the tanks in and puts them in one spot. So you can, if you coordinate well enough, you just get this mass bombardment happening of the enemy tanks. So that's really cool. There's even one that heals, the Regenerator is called, so you, you can heal other tanks. Um, there's also respawning as well, so it's not just a one and dead, and it's a race to 30 yeah. points. So the ordinary tanks are just one point, but if you kill a, a boss, then that's five points to your team. So it actually sounds really, really cool. Um, and I'm going to give it a give it a go sometime. Um, if you're like me and you haven't played it before, this game, this game mode on World of Tank Blitz is limited to tier five tanks and above. But there is a quest line that you can pick up that'll unlock a tier five tank for you. So you can just jump in, do that quest and then start playing the game. But you better get in quick 
because this event is from the 10th of February to the 13th of February. So that's that's pretty cool. You should get get in, have a look, check out what you mean. What 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 I mean, I mean, maybe <laughs> I don't. Know. I talk I talk on these things, people. They let me do this. I don't know why. Have you ever played World of Tanks? I I haven't, but with Blitz because of the way it's all set up. So I'm guessing the actual games themselves run a lot quicker than like your standard World of Tanks games. Then, is it supposed to be like a like a like an on the go kind of? I think it kind of depends. Like this particular game mode, even though it's seven v seven, you still have to get a fair amount of kills. So it it's. They could go for for a reasonable length of time, like the games in world normal World of Tanks. If you're just doing like a random battle, go for ten minutes maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see these ones still going for similar lengths of time, but just just a you know a little bit more less involved with the controls because because it's available on mobile, you'd be using like touchscreen yeah. controls. So I reckon, and, and like it, um, World of Tank Blitz is available on Steam as well. So you can still play with your keyboard and mouse if you want. Um, but yeah, just a little bit of fun. Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else is cool? I, I'm really excited to see this coming up because I had no idea it was coming, although there'd been rumors of it, but tomorrow... 9 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, we get another Nintendo Direct. I am really, I'm really looking forward to it. I think I'll probably try and be up early to watch it. Cause what, what is that Perth time? That's... 6 a.m. Perth time. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I might, I might get up early for mm-hmm. that one. I just, I, there's a lot of things I want to see more of but then also want to know whether nintendo will show uh like in, I, I guess in terms of I'll, I'll get my words right but obviously kirby is the next big you know nintendo title that's coming out only next month which is really really quick i love i love kirby um uh, i'm one of those horrible kirby mains in smash brothers as well um that just spams the same moves over and over so hey whatever works if it works um, keep doing it I, I'm really looking forward to the new game, so I'm hoping they'll just show a bit more of it tomorrow. But I know a few people um, that I've been reading, like their like my feed online in terms of what people are hoping for. I know a Splatoon three uh, they haven't shown much of yet. They've only just announced it really, and that's kind of all they've done. Um, so I'm hoping we might get some more news on Splatoon three. That could be potentially really cool. Did you play? Any Splatoon? I played the original one back on the Wii U, but I didn't haven't yeah. played the one on the Switch. But it, it, it's okay. I call it a very Nintendo first person. Well, it's a third person shooter, but it's a very Nintendo shooter game where the object isn't to kill the other people; it's to coat as much territory as you can in paint. Yeah, yeah. like the like I love. I, I I played it a lot with my siblings um, in in the past, and I think. It'll, it'll be fun having a new Splatoon like end into like I guess this catalog of games we have coming up this year for Nintendo as well. Yeah. Are there any games you want to see? I I've seen it trending on Twitter, and I would really really like to see it. But given that this this direct is focusing on games coming out in the first half of twenty twenty two, I don't think it's quite there yet. But Breath of the Wild two, I yeah. I just oh. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, I'm hoping, I don't know, because they, they've been a little quiet for a while now. Um, mm. I, it, it's, it's weird because obviously there's been no, they haven't actually said when, they've only just announced it really, right? Like it's not slated for this year as far as we're concerned. Well, I think, or... I think it is. I think, I think it's slated for sometime this year now. Because they released the, the that extra trailer at the end of like it actually showed off some gameplay elements last year, and I know the last Breath of the Wild, um, sorry, the last big Nintendo Direct that they did, there was a lot of speculation that it was going to be sort of Christmas release last year, but um, yeah, I, I think it's still a little little bit off, um, yeah. But in terms of other games, I really want to see more about Advanced Wars 1 and 2 coming to the Switch. Because I was a big Advanced Wars fan on the Game Boy Advance. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I think because it was at E3, and I can't, I, oh, I can't remember who was doing the presentation, but there was like a Metal Slug Tactics game. And I remember tweeting at the time where I've gone, all this Metal Slug Tactics game makes me want is a sequel to Advanced Wars. And then a couple of days later, Nintendo did their presentation and there was Advanced Wars 1 and 2 for the Switch and I'm going, that's awesome. I want I want yeah. that. <laughs> and <heard> me. <laughs> that's it. Yes, I feel heard, Nintendo. Thank you. Um, and that, that, I think that was due to come out either late last year or early this year, but it's been pushed yeah, back. Yeah, it's been delayed, yeah. Mm. So maybe they'll give us a new date. Fingers Perhaps. crossed. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping for that. And um, I... Says... Sorry, go on. That's okay. No, I, um, um, I'll let you go. No, I was going to say, Gamma says, hoping to hear more info about MLB The Show 22 debut on mm -hmm. the Switch and maybe a Zelda collection. So does this mean... Because we there hasn't been an MLB game on the switch before they've they've had they've had fifa i'm just trying to rack my brain mm. through like the other sport they've done fifa the last few years um afl evolution came to the switch as well um nba it'll be nice to have mlb i think be the next sports like big sports entry into the switch um mm. and uh the zelda I, have they teased anything about Zelda Collection? I All in my mind, I'm thinking as if they do a Zelda Collection, whether they'll do something similar to like what they did for the Mario, um, where they put 64 Sunshine mm. and Galaxy, whether they might do something like that for maybe any of the previous titles, or mm. what do you think? There was a lot of rumours floating around last year, especially considering last year was the 35th anniversary of Legend of Zelda, that there would yeah. be a Wind Waker and Twilight Princess um, double pack coming out because they both got wii u hd releases so there, there's some hd stuff there you know you need to be reworked a little bit because those games took advantage of the wii u's touchpad but that that was a big rumor that that was coming out um which never came to effect and we, we got skyward sword hd and said which i, I like playing through but i did see that a lot of the the difficulty in that game came from the motion controls and if you stopped using the motion controls it wasn't that hard <laughs> um yeah. personally i i really kind of hope that they do some remakes of some 2d zeldas like i'd really especially because they've got that Link's awakening en engine that they did the the Link's awakening remake on i want to see them release zelda one and two um and the Oracle games, the Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, um, in in that sort of style, because I would I would love that. 
Did you did you enjoy the, what they did with Link's Awakening when they brought that out for the Switch? I did. I did. Um, I enjoyed it because I really liked the art style, but the background behind the game was still Link's Awakening, and mm-hmm. and like even to the point where I know there was a lot of there was a couple of speed running glitches that had been brought over into this game i don't know whether that was done deliberately or whether the engine that they were using was the same so that's or similar at least and that's just what happened um yeah so i i like those sorts of remakes where they still play very similar with maybe a couple of upgrades because you know you mentioned the the 3d mario all-stars remake um which it was nice to see them but they were basically ports. They weren't remakes. They they were just ports of probably the ROMs that Nintendo have had sitting around from the eShop from years ago, you know, especially in the case of Mario Sunshine and Mario um, 64. And, yeah, they, they, they played just like they did on, on the consoles. And if you're going to release a pack like that, especially a time-limited pack, because that was only hanging around until a certain certain point and yeah, then they were discontinuing it. Was... it. March last year mm. they stopped um, yeah. but yeah I think I, I know I don't know about you but I think some some gamers out there were expecting a little bit more from it like you said because it was such a limited yeah. release as well it was like it was it was it was great like I don't want to sound like I'm whinging about it like for what it, like what they did bring out was fantastic and I'm glad I could take it around everywhere with me on the switch but quality wise I don't know just didn't really like yeah leap forward very much at all i think like people expect too much from game anniversaries as well like i feel nintendo were under pressure to release stuff for mario for that 35th anniversary and release stuff for zelda for the 35th anniversary um and skyward sword was pretty polished but i think they didn't release anything else kind of because of the backlash they got from the mario one because the 3d all-stars needed work like I don't don't know if you played it and tried to play Mario Galaxy using the Joy-Con like a mm-hmm. Wiimote. It was terrible. I yeah. was forever resetting where it was, and yeah, it it was unplayable for me. I would rather go and find. In fact, you could probably find a Wii somewhere and a game, um, a Wiimote and the game, and pay less than what that game cost. <laughs> the 3D All Stars collection cost. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, I, I feel feel the anniversaries put too much pressure on them. I'd rather they would have taken their time. Like the the hundred Mario challenge was a nice thing that they could put up. I still wish it didn't disappear, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that that was a nice thing they could do and a few collectible things. I think that's what and you do for an, an anniversary. You don't release a game because then you put this really firm deadline on yourself that it has to be out by this time. Otherwise, it's going to be you know not an anniversary anymore and and i go well that's that's cool let's hold off on the game and make it good and then release it i think i'm just having a bit of a read here to see what other predictions people think they might show for the direct as well um and then one that i just totally forgot about and i i shouldn't have because it's one of my friend's favorite previous games um is the sequel to the mario rabbits um, yes hope um, which I don't believe has a date on it. I could be wrong, um, but maybe they'll show a little bit more of that um, tomorrow as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, Kirby is the one that I'm personally looking forward to mm. the most. 
Um, that should be really, yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to see some Metroid Prime 4 as well. Like, because they announced yeah. that so long ago and then they came out and said um, it wasn't developing how we wanted it to, so they scrapped it and started again, which, you know, doesn't takes a lot of guts to, to do that, to say this game's not what we wanted, so we're starting again. And I'm glad they told us that, but it's been a while since that announcement, so I would like to, to hear something about it. But like I said, because this presentations on the games coming out first half of this year i don't think we'll hear about that there no yeah we will we will wait and see <laughs> so drop bear would like to see a new bionic commando game well i'm thinking like we're talking about you know we're talking about 3d all-stars and mm. you know games that we used to really enjoy and stuff um, back on their original consoles and stuff. Um, so it, it got me thinking, and what I want to ask you and ask the chat as well, um, is I've, I've been thinking about games that I wish I could uh, just play for the first time again, like super fresh, uh, especially because, as I mentioned before, like I'm in introducing my sister to a whole bunch of games that she's never played before. And I think it's kind of like introducing a friend to a movie they haven't seen before that you love. And watching them, you know, react to all the things for the first time. Um, so it's got me thinking if you could replay a game again, fresh, like you've never played it before, like you've had your memory wiped or something, and someone chucks this game in front of you, what would you want that game to be? Um, for me, uh, it could be any game, any any game at all, any platform. Um, there's, there's a couple that I thought of that I'd love to play for the first time and um, my, my first instinctual one that I thought of was Resident Evil 7 um, just because of how horrific but brilliantly brilliantly horrific that one was uh, just so enjoyable because it is one of those games where like those initial scares um, and uh, character reveals and little twists and stuff and connections to the previous game were so enjoyable to to reveal and um, I don't know that that one for me and also uh, Detroit Become Human was another one um, because I hadn't played a I have seen other people play choose your own adventure games before but that was the first one that I had probably uh, properly got my hands on and that responsibility that you feel like you have playing that type of game and hoping for dear life that everyone survives towards the end, uh, that that first impression, like, rush, is just something that I wish I could I could have again. Um, that's my that's my one. <laughs> my two. Got a, had a couple of suggestions from chat here. Menthonzo has gone, Bioshock, one million percent. Bioshock Infinite, sorry. And I'm going to... No, it's another one that's in my shame of not having played, but I've never played a Bioshock game, but I've heard lots of good things about Infinite. Is that the Would You Be So Kind one? Because I know like there's a um, a twist around, there's like a, a guiding voice that says, Would You Be... Well, Would You Kindly? Yeah. Oh, that's the first one. Okay, maybe not that one. But yeah, I've heard good things about all the Bioshock games. And then Drop Bear comes in with Mech Warrior too. I feel like it's been ages since we've had a really good mech fighting game, and I would be in for that. So let's let's rekindle the Mech Warrior series as well. And Wing Commander three too. I, I vaguely remember the Wing Commander games, and the thing I remember about them most is like they were 
one of those games I think didn't they didn't they have the um like the full motion video because there was a point in like the the sort of mid 90s where game devs went our graphics can't we can't computer generate people well enough so we're just going to film people and put really crappy versions of them into the games and um yeah and we're just going to have actors play them and it's just going to be footage basically in the game like um command and conquer was one one that did a lot of that yeah um and for gamma wacky races are we talking about like um muttley and dastardly dick wacky races because i would be down for that <laughs> i'm trying to think of some more i loved um one of the first games i remember properly picking up um uh, just going into like a video game store and not kind of knowing what to expect i have uh, arkham city i really enjoyed i feel like that kind of propelled me into this video game black hole that we've all gone down um that i just i just love the the story and the world and the there was just everything about that game that i enjoyed i wish i could play that one play that one again actually yeah um for for me for me it's like the you could pick a whole raft of titles for me on the nintendo 64 mainly because like the jump from the 2d of the snes and even the um Oh, what was it like the Sega Genesis and Master Systems to the 3D of the Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation One and that sort of thing was just amazing. And I can remember I was on holidays in the um, in Europe when the Nintendo 64 came out, and it's there. It's seared into my brain. Stopping in a German shopping center somewhere where they've had like a demo case of Mario 64 set up. It's all in German. Like I like I was playing about with the first Bowser level and I'm just sitting here with my jaw on the floor playing this as a thirteen year old kid and going just going, This is amazing. I have no idea what's going on, but this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and and even Ocarina of Time, like the opening to that, like when you first saw it and just the opening with Navi flying through the Kokiri forest is just like if I could forget those instances and going back and playing those games, they just, ah, oh, would make my day. Really would. <laughs> oh, Gamma said uh, wacky wheels. Uh, wacky, uh, wacky races. Yeah. But I, I do have one I've never played, but I wish I could forget it because I've watched lots of playthroughs. I've heard lots of good things about it. And looking at it didn't really interest me all that much but i wish i could forget it and go back and play it is undertale like the story in that and the battle system is just oh it's and i just wish i could go back and forget it (laughs) uh oh wacky wheels pc mario kart but with animals that sounds pretty good i kind of vaguely (laughs) remember that i'm looking it up right now wacky wheels Mm. but i I know lots of people say like cute <laughs> <laughs> um, but i know a lot lots like even the same thing lots of legend of zelda games are like that like um and i'm, I'm actually going to throw in wind waker as well like wind waker got a lot of shit when it came out because especially because it came out on the gamecube and it was the first 3d zelda game after majora's mask so um but in between the um majora's mask and wind waker coming out there was space world 2003 
and they showed off this really cool tech demo of Lincoln Gannon fighting. And it was sort of that traditional, more realistic computer generated 3D thing. And it looked really cool. Everybody got really excited for that, saying, look at what the GameCube can do. This is amazing. And then they come out with cartoon cell shaded Wind Waker. And most people were going, I don't want this. I, I want, give me, give me my realistic Legend of Zelda back. And I, I will admit, I was one of those people until I played it. And the first boss fight, I was like, no, no, I'm cool. I'm in now. I'm, I'm all in on this game. And I loved it. Like, um, and I wish I could forget that and go back and play that. Even like the bits where like the, the tower of God, of the gods comes out of the water. And after you get the three pearls and, ah, oh, amazing. I love that game. <laughs> And even like Gan- Ganon as a character in that was just more f- more fleshed out. Like he he didn't have motivations; he just wanted to do bad things. But you had sympathy for him in places, and and it was just really cool. I really liked it. I don't think any Ganon's done that before or after. I think um, like the only other one I can think of, and you all have to forgive me because I've mentioned it about three separate times. Um, already tonight is um, is actually Hades. I'd never played like a dungeon crawler game like that before. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I, 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 if I could go back in time and tell myself, you're going to lose so much of every spare minute you have because you're going to be the stubborn gamer that you are and not give up until you get it done. Hades, I feel like not only in like the actual gameplay, but the art design, the music um just the overall storytelling was just so creative and drew me in a lot more than i was expecting i admittedly i buy a lot of games that my friends recommend to me and they do recommend games to me pretty well because i feel like they know me quite well but this was the one that i um would i i would have paid twice three times as much for this game like it was only like 50 bucks when i got it on switch and it's just i i anyone that i meet that hasn't played like the masterpiece that is Hades um I cannot Mm. recommend highly enough and yeah if I could just play that one for the first time again and um have to uh remember realizing okay I can't just beat this the first time I do have to die again it was Uh, such a uh, have you you seen the speed runs you can beat it first time I that (laughs) okay so that always it okay I have this terrible toxic trait of mine, which I'll admit, if I know that someone else can do it, I'm always like, well, why can't I do that? Why can't I be as good as this person? We're all human. Why can't I be just as capable of finishing it on the first go? So again, this is going to be the competitiveness in me that's going to drive me to finish to get to the credits now. Um, but yeah, at the time, it was such a lesson in, um, in patience, but also the absolute... Um, like that accomplished like worthwhile feeling that that game gives you but still rewards you even if you don't make it all the way i think it's just it's just so well done Um, every time you come back to that little hub world there's something different going on in there and being able to buy all those little bits and pieces to flesh out the 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 hub world is it's so cool yeah yeah so yeah if i could play that one fresh again i that one i would also do in a heartbeat on Games Pass as well, people go and try it. That's oh, that's how I that's how I played it. Like oh, I, really? I I've heard lots of good things about it, but 
I'm not a big roguelike fan, but when I saw it up there, I go, oh, people, people have been raving about this. I'll give it a go. And I started playing it and I go, I liked it. I really like this game. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's well and truly addictive. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I like, I would happily, uh, I, I'm actually, I downloaded it for game pass cause I first got it for the switch. Mm -hmm. Um, get the achievements and stuff so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice uh, i'll be trying to do that again on the xbox once i try and finish the switch run it'll be mm. good nice i wonder if anybody would say any of the gta games like i must admit i'm well, not a gta no, person yeah. well i have a confession i've actually never really so i i didn't grow up playing gta or anything mm. in saying that i don't think i would have been allowed to play gta <laughs> um at all well no um, hot coffee mod for you no nothing i i don't think i've yeah never even if i no. asked for it i don't think i would have been allowed to have played it at the time um but even now so i haven't played any gta before mm. but it's you know i i i think as someone who's kind of on the outside of the gta franchise and the fan dom, mm. the phantom um how popular it still is and like five especially five has been out for how many years now oh it's it's i think gta 5 there's like there, there's there's the, well, like... there's the meme that said like was it playstation 2 had three gta's and gta 5's had three console generations or something stupid like that yeah it's... gta 5 <coughs> came out in 2013 so next year yeah. it would be t 10 years old yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy and I, I must be, it's not my sort of game either, but it popped up like free on Epic one day and I went, yeah, why not? Give it a go. Tried it for a yeah. bit and went, yeah, don't, not really into this. I'll stop playing it. I got it for nothing, so I don't feel obliged to play it. But um, <laughs> in in a move that's, well, it's kind of, well, duh, was always going to happen. Rockstar announced earlier this week that they're working on the next game in the GTA series. Now, I, I feel like I'm reading too much into this because, um, and it's kind of like Nintendo stopped, stopped referring it to Breath of the Wild too. They're calling it the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Um, and Rockstar, the terminology in here is that it's the next game in the GTA series. So whether that means a spin-off or whether that means it's actually going to be GTA 6, who knows? I just, I... I always wonder because we like my partner's big uh, has played the GTA games and had, like tells me that the storyline and stuff of the GTA games are quite enjoyable and quite good. Mm -hmm. But I my first introduction into GTA was watching um, YouTubers do like all of the wacky like online races and stuff. Oh yeah, like it's always appealed to me, and I think if I did download it, like I'd love to do that stuff. But I I think. I would be interested as someone who isn't a part of like the GTA, um, I guess, fandom, if you want mm. to call it that, like people wanting GTA six, like what do they want more of the GTA story? Like from like this, is it more the story they want? Do they want more multiplayer? Like, like how do they stop the next one from becoming too similar to like the previous ones? Cause they all have a very similar kind of feel mm. or concept. Except for the first one, I think like the very, very first one, or at least the very first concept for it, I think was like top down, which was yeah, strange. Emma said yeah. The first GTA, yeah. uh, their first oh, GTA was yeah. the OG top down view one on mm. PC. <laughs> um, 
Well, yeah, and it'll be interesting because GTA V has had this longevity not because of the story. Like, a game doesn't survive this long just because of the story. If it, if that was all there was to do, people would play it, put it down, and never see it again. But the fact that it's still popular says that the multiplayer in it must be amazing. Like, And, and next time you see Pete, to ask about the story. Yeah, the GTA story. Because he he's okay. got a really cool story that um, we're oh, not we're okay. not going to talk talk here because he tells it a lot better than what I, what okay. I could. But the, yeah, there's, he's got a really cool GTA story. Yeah, okay. that story is definitely the best Menzonzo. Yeah. Okay. okay, I'm excited. I thought <laughs> I thought you were gonna um, have me ask him something. Maybe it was like an embarrassing story. Oh no, no, no! It is it is just a really good story. <laughs> Although if I, if I can think of something that was embarrassing, I will get you to ask him that as well. And knowing <laughs> Pete, he will just tell you and probably show you the photos as well. Yeah. I um, I think what's going to be really interesting for, if, if we're going to call it GTA 6, um, I I think, you know, it's got this enormous amount of pressure to have the life and, you know, the, the quality that people have enjoyed from 5. That is just going to be so interesting to see because... Everyone has all these expectations. People have been GTA fans from not even five, but even before that, or people who have just been a part of, you know, I know GTA roleplay is like a really big thing um, as well in the multiplayer side of things as well as like the, I guess the general, there's so many different facets to the multiplayer side, but what six will do differently and what's going to entice fans. And hopefully I think, I feel like they've really got to do something incredible with it. Mm because mm-hmm. you know what everyone's like online when things don't quite meet expectations um it's going to be an interesting one <laughs> here's a thought could you go the other way and just make a really really crap game and cuz cuz like gt yeah gta 5 is just so big and and so influential that it just it's going to be so hard to top it so would you go the other way and make a really really shit game so when you come back with gta 7 and make it good so you can say well the last game kind of kind of but just like (laughs) can you you make it shit first and then you make a better one so you can say look we're doing better now no, I don't. I no. I Rockstar is going to be pretty. Um, um, or 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 was the the GTA re-release that they did recently? Was that their shitty one? And now they're going to come out with something good. Yeah, I. Oh man, I I never got my hands on that. But the amount mm-hmm. of stuff I heard about that trilogy was just mm-hmm. not not great. And that it's. Not even as like I'm not even a GTA fan, but I feel bad for everyone mm-hmm. who did enjoy those previous titles, um, and got that. Um, but yeah, hopefully, may- maybe you're right. Maybe that was the you got the, the the drop in the fans down to bring them back up again. Yeah. So lowering time. expectation, bringing them down to the appropriate level, and then you know they'll blow blow their socks off. But I, I think I, I I think and I'm you might agree with me you might not but I reckon it'll still be a good couple of years maybe before we oh yeah this yeah yeah when when you, you announce that they're working on something it like they would have been working on something for a while already um but they're mm. just letting people know I, like I kind of go with two minds about this because I I kind of like the ones that go and and Nintendo do this quite a bit. Like they'll go, oh, we're working on this game, and here it is. 
I like um, there was the Guardians of the Galaxy game from last year. It got announced, I think, at E3, and three months later it was out. And you go, nobody wasn't even on anybody's radars, and all of a sudden yeah. here it was. I remember that like scaring me because I <laughs> like we had we had the Avengers, which obviously oh, that was terrible. Yeah, that that was not great. I there's this little part of me that kept it installed on the Xbox just in case I ever want to go back to it at mm -hmm. some point, but I don't think I will. So when they did what you said with Guardians, they announced it and they were like, "Oh yeah, it's coming out at the end of this year." I was just like, "Oh no!" I was like, "I'm, I'm scared," um, but that that was I really I don't I, I don't think we had a chance to talk about it, but I loved Guardians. Me too. I really, it was so really, good. really enjoyed it. I think, I think it, it exceeded everyone's expectations. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, interesting.